0: Wow. Good morning, Four Oaks. Um, it is great to be back with you. We have been on, gosh, like a three-month hiatus from doing these pastoral devotionals and coming down here this morning to the church, getting ready to reboot this whole thing. I have to tell you, I, I'm, I've i been pumped, excited, so glad to be back with you. What I thought we would do this morning here, and it's Monday, August 14th, a very hot, muggy 2023 here in Tallahassee and across the nation. What I thought we would do this morning is, because we have so many new folks of the church, maybe you're tuning in for this uh, devotional for the first time, you're not familiar with what we do here, why we do it. I thought I could just kind of give an overview of the purpose of this time, what we're endeavoring to do when we come together and then launch us off into the text that we are going to be studying this week. We've actually been doing these devotionals for about three years. So when all the COVID lockdowns happened in May of 2020, and we weren't meeting and gathering as a church, everything was online, I began doing a daily pastoral devotional as a means of staying connected uh, to our church family. And I would typically go through books of the Bible, portions of scripture, It was just a nice rhythm for us as a church family when we could not meet together. Well, once we did begin to meet together again, there seemed to be enthusiasm for continuing these, and that's what we have done off and on for the past three years, hopefully more on than off, taking breaks, of course, in the summer and spring break and Christmas and all those things. But we have worked our way through a number of books of the Bible. But beginning about a year ago or two, we decided to, to let these devotionals track with our sermon series on Sunday mornings, which, of course, has been uh, Matthew's gospel for this past eight months or so. And in that way, the idea was we would preach on a text and then come here the week after and pick apart the text further, look at questions, issues, things, applications maybe we didn't have time to get to. But we, we, we switched gears um, over the last season to actually do something a little different. Now, we we are still in Matthew. We're still looking at the text that we're preaching through. But what we're doing is we are using the week prior to that Sunday sermon to look at the text that we're going to be preaching on, studying together, and for several reasons. One is just a very selfish reason on my part. It gets me into the text and really propels me into study and preparation for the week. So truth in advertising. But secondly, and, and that was really not the primary reason for doing it, honestly, it was really this idea that we as people of God, as Christians, as people of the book, of the Bible, we want to, to not just be consumers of the word where we are uh, putting in our AirPods, listening to a sermon, listening to a podcast. And by the way, all those things are, are great. I do them uh, almost daily. But we want to be also students of the word, to study the word of God, to be able to apply it to our lives. And we thought maybe that it would be great to spend the week prior to that Sunday sermon digging into the text. Um, And in that way, I can sort of give you a, a preview of how I'm thinking about the text, the tools that I'm using how I'm working through understanding the context, the meaning, the application, so that that would give you some tools that you could use um, wherever you are, studying whatever you're studying in God's Word, to be able to apply the Word of God, to study the Word of God for yourself. And that's what we've been doing, and that's where we're going to pick back up today. Now, because it's been quite some time since we've all been together, I thought this would be a great opportunity this morning to, to do another flyover of the book of Matthew and to remind us what this gospel is, what it isn't, what Matthew's endeavoring to do. Remember that these gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, were not sort of dropped down from heaven. They, they weren't put on golden tablets, they, they weren't giving sort of without a context and in an ethereal sort of way. They were actually books or selected biographies written by either eyewitnesses to Jesus's ministry or associates of those who were eyewitnesses to Jesus's ministry. And they were put together in a specific time and for a specific purpose in a specific place and they because of that they we it's important that we understand sort of what the 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 context for which Matthew put together his gospel so let's remember Matthew was one of the original 12 he was a disciple he was a tax collector and he was certainly Jewish and being a, a disciple um, he, of course, became an apostle as Jesus commissioned him and the other 11 to be his authority, to speak his words, to, to rule, to, to, to teach, lead, preach to the church in the name of Christ. You know, at the time, of course, there was only the Old Testament. And so the apostolic ministry for these different apostles would oftentimes be simply applying and learning the Old Testament. But as they did so, knowing they were speaking on behalf of Christ, they codified this teaching into what we now know as the New Testament. And this didn't all happen at once, but it happened as people like Paul or John, for example, wrote letters to the churches. And the church, as, as, as authoritative, divine-inspired instruction And the church would preserve these letters and preser- preserve these documents and to use them as, as the basis for their new life together as a Christian community. Well, during this time, there were four gospels put together. John, who was, an apost- who was an apostle and an eyewitness of Jesus. Mark, who received all of his instruction and teaching from Peter, okay? And then Luke, who received all of his instruction and teaching from other eyewitnesses to Jesus' ministry. Like some of Jesus's other apostles, um, Jesus's mother, et cetera. Well, Matthew, of course, was had a front row seat to the life and ministry of Jesus. And it is now some thirty years after Jesus has ascended, and Matthew is a leader in the early church. And Matthew, we believe, is most prime is primarily vested in ministering to the Jew, Christian, Jewish Christian community. Um, at that time. So these would be Jews, people who were ethnically Jews, religiously Jews, but who recognized Jesus as their Messiah. Um, And so he was writing to, to Jewish Christians in the context of their church, but he was also writing his gospel with the larger Jewish community in view. And it's very clear as you trace Matthew's gospel out that Matthew has sort of a singular purpose in writing to Christian Jews, and it's simply this. He wants to show them that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all of God's promises and prophecies in the Old Testament. That the man, the person that they have been looking for, waiting for, their long-awaited hope, their long-awaited Messiah... Um, that, that Jesus was in fact, is in fact, that person. And everything Matthew does in his gospel, all the resources, all the information is marshaled to make that argument, okay? And so we have been through the first eight chapters of Matthew, and let me just give you the quick flyover of what Matthew has done. First of all, he has given us a genealogy for why Jesus is the Messiah, because he is descended from the son of David. Matthew has also given us a a glimpse of how Jesus fulfills Old Testament prophecy. We see that primarily in the birth narratives. And as Jesus is coming forth into his public ministry, um, Matthew has shown us how this king this long-awaited messiah teaches with authority so we remember we looked at the sermon on the mount and there was this idea that jesus was saying you've heard the law misinterpreted misapplied in this way but i'm here to tell you i'm not going to abolish the law i fulfill it i am god's anointed i am god's prophet well not only does jesus teach with authority and say things with authority But as we've seen in Matthew 8, he is doing things with authority. He is healing. He's doing the supernatural. He's exercising demons. He's making the lame walk, the blind to see. And all of these things are being done to sort of give a preview um, of what is going to happen one day when God's kingdom comes in full. So, So Jesus as king has come in his earthly ministry and We know that he has come primarily to die um, for the people and their sins, but this is serving this purpose of reinstituting God's kingdom, right? And so when Jesus heals or he does something spectacular, it's not merely done just to do things. It's to be a foretaste of what's going to happen in eternity and the fact that God's kingdom is now breaking through through the life and ministry of Jesus, who, in fact, is the king. So this theme of kingship weaves its way all through Matthew's gospel. Remember, when Matthew wrote this gospel, it was meant to be read as a biography, as a narrative, as a story. Even though we work through it in chunks um, and, and kind of pull it apart bit by bit, when it was initially read, it was initially read publicly publicly, and it was meant to be received as a, a comprehensive story communicating the, the primary themes of Jesus' life and death and resurrection. I say all that because it's important that we never lose sight of the big picture of Matthew's gospel or, or the big picture of any book that we're studying. We want, to, we want to understand it as a whole. So one of the things I would love for you to do between now and tomorrow is, I mean, if you can, go back and read all of Matthew's gospel, but knowing that not all of you are going to be able to do that, at least I would encourage you to go back and read Matthew 1 through 8. And again, this is going to put you in touch with passages that we studied months and months ago, but in reality are just as relevant now to what we're going to be studying in Matthew 9 as they were then. So that's your little homework assignment. Now, I want to read the passage we're going to be unpacking this week. And obviously, um, we're not getting into the the throes of it this morning, but I do want to sort of set it up so that you know where we are headed. So, So let's read Matthew 9, 1 through 8. That's where we're going to be this coming Sunday and this week. And getting into a boat, he crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And then he said to the paralytic, Rise and walk pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and went home. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid, and they glorified God who had given such authority to men. One observation I want to make here, that in this theme of Jesus coming as king, long-awaited appointed Messiah, and instituting his kingdom by Pushing back the darkness by doing supernatural miracles, teaching the ways of God, there still remains a problem. Okay, and the problem is, as as amazing as this kingdom is, as incredible as Jesus as the Messiah King is, there, there there's a fundamental issue, and this relates to the issue of sin. Okay, so it's good news that the king is coming if you were there to give a good report. If you were there to say, I've been faithful, if you were there to say, "Um, I've been waiting for your return. But the king coming home is not good news if the subjects have been in rebellion. It is not good news if they have not been awaiting his return, if they have not been living faithful lives and being good stewards. And that is primarily, I think, the issue that Matthew 9, 1 through 8 wants to address to us this week. What are we to do with this problem of our sin? How is that an obstacle to God establishing his kingdom? And most importantly, what must be done to remedy it? All right, that's what I want you to think about and ponder. See if you can read Matthew 1 through 8. And then tomorrow morning, we will be in the throes of the text together. Hey, it's great to be back. I'm so glad that you've joined us. Let me pray and commit our week to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we are reminded as we come to your word this morning that we don't live by bread alone, but by every word which proceeds from your mouth. So, Lord, we want to receive this text. We want to receive your word. We want to um, have it written on our hearts. And Father, um, pray that you would show us the hero of this story this week, and that is Jesus. And Lord, it's in his name that we pray these things. Amen. All right, everybody. See you tomorrow.